Philippians chapter 4 is where we are going to resume our study of this letter written by the Apostle Paul as he's awaiting imperial review at Rome. I think it's likely he's writing it sometime during the year 62, and he's getting ready to dispatch this letter by the hand of Epaphroditus, uh, who had come to Rome apparently bearing financial support money uh, sent from his friends at Philippi. And so some of that is going to be mentioned here in the latter section of this letter. So Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 1. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, now he's mentioned that a couple of times now, that once his imperial review takes place and he expects to be immediately released, and that does seem to be what happens. Uh, he's going to do some traveling that would include stopping by Philippi. So, therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy. So, they make him happy when he thinks about them. My crown. Uh, the word crown here uh, should bring up images in your mind of sports events like the Olympic Games. Uh, back in this time, when you won, you were presented with a crown on your head uh, to show that you had overcome all and had come to the, to the absolute peak of your particular discipline. And so Paul says, that's what you guys make me think like, like I've won uh, in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. So hang in there. Do the right thing. Verse 2, speaking of which, I urge Uodia and I urge Sunduki to live in harmony in the Lord. So here are two ladies. No specifics are given but apparently they're not getting on right now. They're not getting along. And so she, he tells them, you two need to work it out and get on the same page. Uh, he literally says, be of the same mind. So get your act together and work it out. Verse 3, indeed, true companion. Uh, and this actually might be a name, Suzukus. Uh, which is uh, yoke fellow. Um, so possibly he is a person there at Philippi that Paul believes can help these two ladies work it out. Maybe he's the preacher. Maybe he's one of the overseers, one of the presbyters, uh, one of the shepherds or elders here. So indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So Paul have, has known these two ladies for a while. 
perhaps all the way back to the first time he visited there in his second missionary journey. Uh, he was only there a few weeks, but he seems to have developed a very intense relationship with people there. And so he, he considers it a shame and a sorrow that they're not getting along, and he wants somebody else that he knows from there, help them. And not just them, help Clement. Now, we don't know what was going on with Clement, but he apparently needed either some assistance or maybe he was the one that was supposed to help with these ladies. Maybe he knew them as well. And then also the rest of the people that Paul had been working with when he'd been there. And he said, all these peoples are enrolled in the Lamb's Book of Life. Uh, This is one of the places outside of the book of Revelation that this book of life is mentioned. So these are all saved people, even though they might be having a little trouble from time to time. Then, having been encouraging with naming of names, being very personable, Paul goes back to a theme that he's already brought up a couple of times. And that is, rejoice in the Lord always. You know, celebrate. Celebrate your salvation. Celebrate your your fullness of the Holy Spirit. Celebrate your part in the body of Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Uh, Last time he said, you know, it's not a problem for me to repeat myself. So, rejoice. And I hope that all of us will take that to heart and be happy. You know, somebody quipped once that uh, a particular church that they were at, it looked like you all have been immersed in pickle juice (laughs) because apparently they were frowning and didn't look very happy. So uh, another person quipped, you know, if you're happy in the Lord, maybe you should let your face know. Uh, So let's make sure that we do let our happiness in the Lord be seen. Um, Verse number five, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. So not only should people see you as happy in the Lord, they should also see you as kind and considerate and compassionate toward other people. This goes back, I think, to chapter 2, where Paul was telling them that everybody should be thinking about others ahead of themselves. Uh, There should not be this self-serving spirit within uh, the church. Um, Everyone in the church should be famous for looking out for other people. And so if you tend toward being something else than that, then you need to work on that. You need to talk to the Lord about repentance and change of attitude and and get that corrected. People should think of you as a happy, helpful person. The Lord is near. Um, this is a reminder that Jesus is coming. Paul kept bringing that up in this letter, didn't he? It should be constantly on our minds. Jesus is coming again, maybe not in our lifetime, but 
we'll be going to see him. So he's always nearby. And so we ought to live like we believe that. Verse 6, a little reminder from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Be anxious for nothing. You know, don't go worrying and fretting about every little thing. Instead, trust God. It says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, when you get concerned about stuff, pray. Ask. Uh, when we were looking for the, through the book of James a, a while back, uh, James said, you have not because you ask not. Well, let's ask. Uh, but we also ask with an understanding that it should be something that God would want for us. And then when you receive it, you should be thankful. Uh, Paul, in an earlier letter, I think it was in the book of Romans, did mention that it was a horrible thing to not be thankful, not to give thanks to God for what he's provided for us. So go ahead and ask. Ask for things that God would want us to ask for. And when you see responses, thank him. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can you tell that Paul is quite familiar with Jesus? Uh, Jesus talks about I, a peace I'm leaving with you, not a peace like the world gives with you, but this peace that passes all human understanding. Uh, peace is a sense of it's all okay. God has got it. God has got it under control. And so that is what provides guardianship to our hearts and our minds. Now, Paul, of course, is Jewish, and some of the people might be Jewish that are reading this. He certainly knows that people that eventually read it will be some of them Jewish, and the heart is all about where you make your choices. And so, if we have peace in our hearts, we will make better choices. Verse number eight. Finally, brethren. Now, he said finally once before at the beginning of chapter number three. Uh, this time, he's a lot closer to being done. Finally, brethren. Whatever is true. Now, of course, truth is wrapped up in God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So, Paul wants us to focus on God's truth. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, you know, that which is appropriate and right. Uh, whatever is right, whatever is correct, whatever is according to God's standards, okay? Whatever is pure, you know, pure means it doesn't have stuff in it that doesn't belong there. Whatever is lovely, or perhaps whatever is gracious, pleasing, good, nice, 
uh, whatever is of good repute. Now, that's good repute from God's standpoint, not from the world's standpoint. If there is any excellence, and there is a little bit of, of vocabulary in here that is kind of plugging into Roman concepts and philosophies, uh, that, that certain people have high ideals that they live by, and they are the best of us all. They are the ones who are excellent. That's kind of what he's, he's getting to. Uh, as you've heard me say before, Christians really need to be the best of society in every aspect of that society. So that's what he's driving at here. If there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, then dwell on these things. Ponder on these things. Think about these things. Chew on these things. Consider how you can bring these things to the forefront in your life. Um, middle, excuse me, Far Eastern meditation is all about emptying your mind. Jewish Middle Eastern meditation is all about filling your mind with the things of God. And so that is what we're doing right now. Uh, the reason I teach, the reason I preach, the reason I do into the Word is because I want people to have their minds filled up with the teaching of God so that they can chew on those things, so they can think on those things, so that they will make choices and decisions based on those things. That's what Paul is talking about right here. Verse number nine. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So once again, he offers himself as an example. And this is what all preachers, all elders should be willing to do. Uh, they should be willing to say, like the Apostle Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So it's not a do as I say, not as I do. It's do as I do, which is what I tell you to do. So it is life excuse me, leading by example. So Paul says, pay attention to what I'm giving you by example, and the God of peace will be with you. Verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before but you lacked opportunity. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about the fact that they sent him financial assistance. Uh, there's been a while that they haven't sent anything because they really didn't have a reason to, because he wasn't in dire straits anywhere. Uh, the last two years when he was in Caesarea in Judea, uh, he was living in the Praetorium Palace by the seashore. And so he was being taken care of 
by the administration of Judea. But now, as Luke tells us at the tail end of the book of Acts, he's been living in Rome, which is probably more expensive, uh, in his own living space, footing all his own bills. And so immediately after the Philippians figured that out, boom, they sent some cash to him. They sent some support to him. And he says, thank you for that. I knew you were concerned and praying for me and thinking about me before that. You didn't have any reason until now to express that in a tangible way. And you did now, and thank you. Verse 11, uh, not that I speak from want, so not that he is like uh, in big-time trouble, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. So he can economize as needed. Verse 12, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and of suffering need. Uh, So Paul says, I know what it feels like to not have enough. But I also know what it feels like to have more than enough. Uh, but I know that there is one thing that ties all of this together. And that is verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, this verse is often taken out of context, meaning uh, to mean something along the lines, I can do anything because God will make it possible for me to do that thing. That is not what Paul is expressing, is it? Paul is saying, I can live my life knowing that it is Jesus Christ who is living through me. It doesn't matter if I'm going to be hungry one day, Jesus Christ is with me. Or if on another day, I have more than enough and I can... Excuse me, I can give some of it away because even in those days of plenty, Jesus is with me. He's guiding me in what I'm doing. In the mediocre days, the ones that probably take up most of the story, Jesus is with me on those days. He's got me and leading me. So this is definitely a theme for all of us, isn't it? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you've done well to share with me in my affliction. So he says, regardless of that teaching that I want you to have, thank you. Verse number 15, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. So you remember that Paul kind of got run out of Philippi, and uh, then he gets run out of Thessalonica, and then same thing at Berea, and it's all pretty quick. Uh, His Macedonian uh, preaching uh, tour uh, was uh, abbreviated by quite a bit. Uh, And he eventually ends up at Corinth. And guess what? 
he has to go and get a job. He has to do some tent making in order to make ends meet while he's there. Uh, He's apparently doing preaching and teaching in the evening hours uh, because he's working during the day. But then Dr. Luke tells us in the book of Acts, when Timothy and I'm trying to think it was Erastus maybe, uh, arrived from Macedonia, Paul began teaching and preaching full-time at that point. That passage in the book of Acts is what Paul is talking about here. He got a cash infusion to the gospel work at Corinth from Philippi. Uh, Apparently, they'd already kind of sent some money uh, even when he'd gone to Thessalonica, because verse 16 says, even in Thessalonica, you know, even when I was still in Macedonia, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. So he's, he's only at Thessalonica for a short period of time. And so apparently the Philippians were sending stuff down that direction. Hey, let's take up another offering for Paul. He's still down in Thessalonica trying to do some work there. And so that, that attitude from the very beginning uh, is the reason why Paul is so, so expressive to the Philippian people. Uh, if you haven't paid attention, the book of Philippians is really focused on relationship and thanks for those relationships. Verse number 17, not that I seek the gift itself. So he says, I'm not about the cash. I'm not about the money here. But I seek for the profit which increases to your account. That is, they benefit from it because God sees their attitude. Their attitude of sacrifice and caring. Verse 18, but I have received everything in full and have an abundance. So I have more than enough now, guys. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. So there's where we find out Epaphroditus is the one that actually brought it to him. A fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. That's imagery that we can't get our minds wrapped around as much because it's sacrificial language. Uh, when the sacrifices were being offered in the temple worship services. Uh, It also included throwing incense uh, onto the burning altar uh, and a big cloud of fragrant smoke goes up to the sky uh, and everybody's like, oh, that smells so good. Uh, The closest feeling that we can probably all get to this is those of us that are omnivores, carnivores, we like our barbecue, we like our cooking out, and that smell of the roasting meat that gets our juices flowing and makes us happy. That's the, that's the feeling that he's talking about here. He's saying, it made me really happy when your love was shown through the giving that arrived at the hands of Epaphroditus. And then he puts a blessing on them. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So he, 
He believes that because of their generosity, God will be generous back to them. Uh, It's a reciprocal thing. Now, to our God and Father, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, a benediction, a praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who brought all this stuff together. Uh, He was the one that had the plan from before the foundation of the world. And so he is due the praise. And then a little bit of personal business. Verse 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. It's basically him saying, say hi to everybody. He doesn't go through a big long list of names. He just says, Make sure you tell everybody I said hi. I care about them. And then he says, the brethren who are with me, they greet you. And this is one of the wonderful things of being part of the body of Christ. It doesn't matter where you're at in the world. You have brothers and sisters in Christ in some other part of the world. And uh, if you know somebody's going somewhere and they're going to run across Christians, you can say to them, hey, tell my brothers and sisters in Christ I said hi. Doesn't matter that I've never met them before. I still care about them, and I know they care about me. That's the family. Verse 22, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So there are some people either working in the palace complex of Nero, which is pretty good. It's pretty big sized. Or perhaps he's referencing those within the actual family of Nero that may have converted to faith in Jesus Christ. Um, He just wants them to know we've got people in the very top part of the Roman family that name the name of Jesus Christ and they would tell you hi as well. And then he finishes, as he often does, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace, the unmerited favor, the forgiveness of sins that comes through the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, That is a wish that I have for you today. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit.